You're listening to ReachMD, and this is Lipid Luminations, sponsored by the National Lipid Association. The following program is supported by an educational grant from Ageryon Pharmaceuticals. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, your host, and with me today is Dr. Daniel J. Rader, Cooper McClure Professor of Medicine and Pharmacology and Chief of the Division of Translational Medicine and Human Genetics at the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. Our discussion today is going to focus on new and novel therapies for the management of familial hypercholesterolemia. So Dan, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to talk to us today on ReachMD. My pleasure, Alan. It's great to be with you. I want you to talk a little bit about homozygous FH. Uh, it's one of those things that is a little obtuse to the average practicing physician. We, we've had a few shows on heterozygous FH, and it's been mentioned in terms of uh, being a fairly rare disease. But uh, I wonder if you can tell us what the textbook picture of a patient with homozygous FH is. Well, as you know, homozygous FH is sort of the classic severe hypercholesterolemic disorder. These are uh, children who often present in childhood with uh, skin xanthomas, very seriously elevated uh, LDL cholesterol levels, usually triglycerides relatively normal, uh, and progress to the development of markedly premature atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease of the coronaries of the aortic valve and supraortic uh, region, as well as other large vessel arteries throughout the body. The classic textbook view of homozygous FH is uh, what I just described, uh, cholesterol levels that are 600 and above, uh, and cardiovascular disease presenting in childhood or adolescence. And of course, as Brown and Goldstein initially discovered, these are patients who have mutations in both alleles of the LDL receptor, at least the classic definition of this disease, leading to essentially either complete or a markedly partial loss of function of the LDL receptor. The classic definition is less than 20% of normal LDL receptor activity is really classified in the homozygous FH category, leading to impaired clearance of LDL and the markedly elevated LDL levels uh, that we see in these patients. So uh, this is the classic view. Of course, uh, as we've uh, learned more and more about uh, hypercholesterolemia, as more and more sequencing uh, gets done, we're realizing that, in fact, uh, many of the very severely elevated uh, cholesterol levels we see in patients might, in fact, be due to uh, mutations in more than one allele. So again, more work is needed to be done but uh, this is a, a classic, serious hypercholesterolemic disease that has traditionally uh, not uh, had much in the way of available therapy short of LDL-apheresis and liver transplantation. Can you tell us a little bit of, for the primary care physicians in the audience? Uh, a lot of our audience are uh, practicing physicians who are not lipid geeks like us. Who's at risk for developing homozygous FH, and who would you worry about? Well, of course, this is a, a classic disorder in which you inherit mutations uh, from both parents. Um, so patients who um, have parents who are both known to be hypercholesterolemic or perhaps develop premature coronary disease are uh, theoretically at risk for having inherited a mutant allele from uh, both parents and having this uh, double dose, if you will, of a, of a gene that then causes a very marked elevation in cholesterol. I think from a practical perspective, Physicians ought to be uh, carefully looking at these patients who have really high LDL cholesterols, even beyond what we generally think of as garden variety heterozygous FH. That is, when the LDL cholesterols are uh, well over 300, for example, um, is a situation, uh, particularly if the patient is not as responsive to traditional therapies such as statins 
where uh, a diagnosis like this uh, should be entertained. So we've been making a plea for our audience uh, to test people who have family history of premature disease and, of course, anyone who has LDL over 190 to do cascade screening, make sure their children and their siblings are all tested. And if one has the bad luck of uh, having a spouse who has the same disorder, these are the people where we're going to worry most about the children. But if they do cascade screening of their heterozygotes, they're going to find it, correct? Absolutely. So I think that um, when you have a heterozygous patient, obviously the heterozygotes are much more common. It's very important to take a good family history. If it's an adult, take a family history regarding the spouse, regarding the um, older generation on both sides of the family, really looking for evidence that there might be more than one individual in the family that have hypercholesterolemia, uh, leading to the possibility that there might be affected family members who are uh, more severely affected and really need screening and active initiation of therapy to try to reduce their risk of cardiovascular disease. So other than LDL receptor gene abnormalities, uh, I understand there are other mutations beside the LDL receptor that can lead to uh, a phenotype that looks like homozygous FH. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So the LDL receptor mutations are are clearly um, the most common, and it's worth just mentioning that um, there are areas uh, in the world that they're so-called founder effects where individuals settled that area who may have had a mutation and that resulted in an unusually high prevalence of that mutation in that area of the world. And certainly, we're, we're much more uh, cognizant of the potential for the diagnosis uh, when we see people have come from those backgrounds. But uh, the other two genes, uh, the, the two main other genes that are uh, often responsible for inherited hypercholesterolemia are ApoB itself. You know, ApoB is the main protein in LDL. It binds to the LDL receptor, and it kind of makes sense that if you have mutations in the receptor binding region of ApoB, those individuals are also uh, hypercholesterolemic. And again, in a fascinating example of a founder effect, a high percent of the uh, Lancaster County Amish actually have um, ApoB mutations that lead to hypercholesterolemia and premature coronary disease uh, because uh, someone from uh, Central uh, Europe or Switzerland uh, was uh, one of the initial Amish who settled that area. And then the other gene is PCSK9. We hear a lot about PCSK9 and inhibiting it as a way to lower cholesterol, and maybe we'll come back to that. But uh, PCSK9 gain-of-function mutations actually result in reduced LDL receptor activity and expression and uh, elevated uh, cholesterol levels. And so if we were to do uh, sequencing in an individual with severe hypercholesterolemia to try to determine the molecular etiology, we'd start with the LDL receptor, and then we'd move on to the receptor binding region of ApoB, and then finally PCSK9, looking for mutations that might explain their phenotype of severe hypercholesterolemia. Dan, you touched on this a little earlier, but tell us again, because I know that these unfortunate children can get heart disease in their first, second decade. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you know, uh, what the major cardiovascular complications are and what we'd be looking for in these children who have uh, received uh, two bad genes? Sure. Um, unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, especially the more severe homozygous FH patients who are receptor negative or have very little uh, receptor activity at all, they have uh, cholesterol levels that are in the six, 700 plus range. And they often will develop, if they're not aggressively treated, with, for, for example, with LDL apheresis, will develop uh, supravalvular aortic stenosis. That's one of the earliest things. So symptoms of aortic stenosis and ultimately bad osteal coronary disease that uh, regrettably can often result in sudden death or very large uh, MIs as a result. So uh, these kids, they're rare, but certainly these kids are 
ones that we need to uh, pick up on, aggressively treat, and do uh, what we can to try to reduce their cholesterol levels um, to prevent these uh, devastating sequelae. Of course, the, the less severe patients won't necessarily present with cardiovascular disease in childhood, but often will go on to present in early young adulthood uh, with cardiovascular disease, most likely coronary disease. Sometimes a carotid disease uh, can also be a presenting cardiovascular symptom or sign. And um, I'll just say, Alan, that you know it was this disease that really proved without a doubt that LDL is causal for uh, atherosclerosis. When you have a mutation like this that elevates LDL and causes this severe cardiovascular disease, it really told us that LDL actually causes the disease. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, and today I'm with Dr. Daniel J. Rader, Chief of the Division of Translational Medicine and Human Genetics at the Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. So, yeah, Dan, this is another example, too, of people who don't have small, dense LDL and who get heart disease, right? Exactly. So small, dense LDL, I think, is bad and arguably worse than uh, large-point LDL, but this is a disease of largely large-point LDL, and as you said, these patients still get markedly accelerated cardiovascular disease. So tell me a little bit about, uh, you you would assume if they've received mutations to both genes that code for the LDL receptor or APOB or uh, PCSK9 activity, that we, we might not see very good responses to statin therapy, where the major effect of statins is to increase the number of receptors. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the responses to statins in these patients? Yeah, I think you, you said it. Um, when uh, statins, uh, as well as the other major uh, cholesterol-lowering drugs that we currently have, uh, bi- uh, bioacid sequestrants, cholesterol absorption inhibitors, all fundamentally work through altering hepatic cholesterol and upregulating the LDL receptors in the liver. And so uh, it stands to reason that if you completely lack LDL receptors, you're really not going to have responses to these drugs. And that's basically the case. Uh, Individuals who are receptor negative essentially don't respond to these drugs. Now, of course, as I mentioned earlier, there's some homozygous FH patients who have some residual LDL receptor activity. And those are the patients who tend to have modest but markedly impaired response to statins and other cholesterol-lowering drugs. Um, And that's why in some patients you can get 10, 15, occasionally 20% reductions with very high-dose statin therapy or combination therapy, even in a so-called homozygous FH patient. But um, uh, it's clear that these drugs are not really going to adequately treat uh, patients with this disorder, even those who have a little bit of receptor and that's why there's been a lot of interest in this area to try to develop uh, better therapies uh, for these patients. Okay, well, that's a perfect segue into our last few minutes. So let, obviously these are heartbreaking uh, situations with patients of 12 or 13 having major cardiovascular events. Tell us about the state-of-the-art options in terms of therapy, and I know you manage a lot of these patients, so if if you could spend the last four or five minutes talking about the options for treatment and uh, pluses and minuses of those options. Sure. So for, first, I, I just want to remind everybody that liver transplantation has been performed, particularly in young children uh, with this disorder. Um, and uh, liver transplantation does more or less correct the hypercholesterolemia. So giving a normal liver with normal LDL receptors brings LDL levels uh, back to normal. Obviously, this is a huge deal, um, but one that occasionally a young patient who has very little other options who's already developing cardiovascular disease may be referred for. And that's certainly one, one option. The second, the time-honored uh, issue has been to use LDL-apheresis, this method of uh, regularly purging the blood of cholesterol 
With homozygous patients, we generally do it once a week. It's about a three to four hour procedure, and it certainly is uh, laborious and time consuming, but uh, at least the impression is that many patients have had their lives extended and their symptom-free period extended by having regular LDL apheresis. Of course, it's challenging to put young kids on this, but this is something we always routinely do if possible and if available. The problem with LDL apheresis is there are only a limited number of centers. It's simply not widely available. So even in the U.S., the vast majority of patients with homozygous FH are not currently getting LDL apheresis. So that brings us to uh, the interest in developing new therapies for this disorder. And uh, when the LDL receptor is lacking, it stands to reason that maybe one would want to reduce the input of LDL, the production of LDL, into the blood in the first place. And so that led to approaches to try to reduce the liver production of VLDL, the precursor to LDL. And uh, interestingly, literally within uh, the last um, year, two new classes of uh, cholesterol-lowering drugs have been approved by the FDA in the U.S. specifically for patients with homozygous FH, and both work through this mechanism of reducing hepatic VLDL production. One, lomidopide, an inhibitor of MTP, and the other is mipomersin, uh, an antisense oligonucleotide targeted toward ApoB. And why don't you talk about those two medications and uh, degree of LDL lowering you're seeing in these homozygous FH patients and then the pluses and minuses and what we have to look out for? Yeah, so uh, lomidopide is a small molecule uh, pill that um, is taken once a day and uh, inhibits the MTP protein, which is responsible for loading lipid onto the assembling VLDL particle. So inhibiting MTP results in reduced VLDL production and ultimately reduced levels of LDL in the blood. Uh, its uh, main issues are that uh, it um, can cause some uh, GI-related side effects uh, and needs to be accompanied by counseling on a low-fat diet and a careful dose titration. And it also can increase hepatic fat, the amount of hepatic fat measured by uh, methods like uh, magnetic resonance spectroscopy in the liver. But the LDL reductions are uh, on, the, on the average of about 40 to 50 percent uh, in patients with homozygous FH, and that is of a range that uh, the FDA deemed potentially beneficial enough to um, basically have uh, uh, given these patients, despite the potential downside of the hepatic fat uh, increase. And then um, mipomersin, a fascinating product that is basically an antisense oligonucleotide, a biologic targeted to ApoB, destroys the ApoB mRNA and results in uh, reduced ApoB production and reduced VLDL production. Its main issues have to do with uh, flu-like symptoms and skin uh, site reactions that can occur. This is given uh, subcutaneously once a week. And it also can increase the hepatic fat, the amount of fat in the liver. Uh, and lowers uh, LDL. It's been studied in several different types of patients. In homozygous FH, the report had lowered LDL by about 25%. In other patients with heterozygous FH, uh, it can lower LDL uh, even more than that. So uh, fascinating. Two new drugs, both of which uh, substantially lower LDL cholesterol, uh, and both have their downside, particularly hepatic fat, but uh, nevertheless for these patients uh, may be very useful in helping to reduce their cardiovascular risk. Is it possible to get these patients who start out with LDLs, uh, 3, 4, 500, somewhere close to their LDL targets? So I should emphasize that both of these were approved by the FDA with a caveat that physicians need to be trained and registered to be able to use these drugs. There's a so-called REMS program for both of them that closely tracks the usage of the, of the drugs and the outcomes. And as I said, they're approved specifically for homozygous FH. 
Now, uh, genetic testing is not required for either drug, so it's really at the clinical discretion of the prescribing clinician. And at the end of the day, I think um, the issue is that the clinician needs to assess, uh, could this patient have homozygous FH? Is the uh, hypercholesterolemia of the degree of severity that it's plausible? And does the risk-benefit favor uh, the potential use of either one of these medications in that patient. And in general, uh, in that situation, uh, the clinician makes his or her judgment as to whether to prescribe the drug. Um, uh, obviously, uh, anybody who goes on either of these drugs will be very closely followed for both the efficacy in terms of LDL as well as uh, safety issues, particularly related to the liver. Well, Dan, thank you very much for that update on this uh, rare but uh, very devastating disease. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today on Lipid Illumination. My pleasure, Alan. Thanks very much. And I'm Dr. Alan Brown. You've been listening to Lipid Illumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association on ReachMD. The preceding program was supported by an educational grant from Ageryon Pharmaceuticals. Please be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com forward slash lipids, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you for listening.